First Baptist Melbourne podcast, making disciples here and everywhere for the glory of God. Let's pray together. Father, you have indeed done great things in our midst. Father, you are great. You are greatly to be praised today. And so, Father, fill our hearts with a song of praise, with thanksgiving to you for who you are, for what you've done, what you're doing, what you will do. Father, we pray that, uh, Lord, you would speak to us in these moments. You would help us as a people to fix our eyes upon you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Well, church family, it is so good to be with you uh, this morning. As has already been said, this is a special day. This is a huge day, really, in the life of our church. I know it's kind of Super Bowl Sunday, right, today, all across the world because of that game tonight. And in many ways, this is like Super Bowl Sunday for our church family as well, because this is our vision day. And because it is our vision day, it will be a little bit uh, different today, the message, than uh, normal. Uh, But I do want to ask you to turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. We will be there before too long as we look at the Word of God together. Uh, But before we get there today, I, I want us to look in three directions. I want us to look back, want us to spend a few minutes looking ahead, Uh, And then mainly today, I want us to take time to look up and to hear what the Lord would have to say to us. And so first off, let's take a minute and look back at the year that was, at 2020, and just praise God uh, together for a moment. I know that uh, 2020 was definitely a year unlike any other that most of us can remember, and yet in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of the shutdowns and everything that went along with it, God has been so faithful to us. Uh, first, let's just praise God for his protection over our church. Uh, I know that many in our church, uh, myself included, uh, have contracted COVID over the course of the past year, but we do not know of one person in our church family who has lost their life uh, due to COVID. And that, that is awesome, and that is something to praise the Lord uh, for. Uh, there is no doubt that God has watched over us, uh, that God has protected us, not only physically, but spiritually as well, uh, over the course of this last year. So we praise Him for His protection. We praise God also for His provision uh, in our church. And there, there's a couple of really exciting things I want to share with you about that. Um, for church, do, do you know what year in uh, the history of our church, uh, when would you guess that, that our church gave more than any other year in our tithes and our offerings to the Lord? What year? Does anyone want to guess? 2020. In the midst of a pandemic, in a year when we were not even able to meet together for services for a quarter of the year, for three months, uh, church, you gave more to the Lord in 2020 than any year in our church's history. This is a testament to your faithfulness to the Lord during this time. It's also a testament, let's praise God certainly for that, Um, but it's also a testament of the Lord's faithfulness to his people and his care um, for his people in this place. Um, The other thing I wanted to tell you about under this uh, category, not only was it a year uh, where, uh, church family, you gave more than ever, just in general, it also was a banner year when it comes to giving to missions and the support of missionaries around the world. Back in December, we took up an offering uh, that we take up every year. It's named after Lottie Moon, who is a missionary. And it's an offering where every penny of it leaves our church and goes to support about 3,000 missionaries who are serving 
among unreached people groups all across the globe. Uh, our goal for this past offering in December was 55000 And the church, I'm so happy to be able to announce today, not only did we meet that goal, but we have far surpassed that goal. And uh, to date, $80,000 plus has already been given to the cause of missions. Let's praise the Lord for that as well. And so we praise him for his protection, for his provision. We also praise God today just for his good pleasure. Uh, And what I mean by that is just his hand of favor, his hand of blessing uh, on the ministries of our church, again, even in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, You know, to be honest with you, last year uh, as a pastoral team, you know, we we didn't know whether we should even keep having our uh, first family events that we have normally every six or seven weeks or so. Uh, that are for new folks that God has brought to our church because, of course, our attendance was lower due to the virus. Many of our people were online, and so we didn't know if we should have them or not. But in the end, we said, well, let's go ahead and have them. And even you know, if a few people come, it'll be great. We'll get to know some new folks. But, but a lot more than a few people came to those events. And church, all together, 140 people became members of this church in 2020. Let's praise God for that as well and adding to his body. And then there's just a lot of other ministries I could highlight, but just for the sake of time, I'm just going to highlight what God is doing in our student ministry. Uh, Last year, in the midst of the pandemic, our students began meeting outside so that they could socially distance. Uh, They built, as you might have seen, that uh, beautiful uh, stage area there on the north field, uh, put up lights out there. And at that time, we purchased 150 white chairs. You might have seen those white chairs so that they could use them for the worship time. We thought that would be sufficient uh, until they filled all 150 of those chairs and there were students standing in the back. And so now we have purchased another 150 white chairs. And I have never been more happy to buy chairs than I was <laughs> to, do, to do that because I think about the students who will be in those chairs, uh, who have a chance on Wednesday nights and at other times to hear about the love of Jesus. And so just in spite of everything that was going on last year in our culture and with this pandemic, uh, church, there is no doubt that God's sovereign, gracious, good hand has been upon our church this past year. And it is right that we take time just to pause and to celebrate and thank him uh, for what he has done. I also want to take a minute, though, and just look ahead at the year that is in front of us, 2021. I'll go very quickly here. These are just a few of the things I'm excited about when I look at the next 11 months of 2021. First off, uh, I'm excited, Lord willing, that we'll be able to regather with all of our people for worship. Uh, we don't know when that will be, but we pray and trust that sometime in 2021 uh, we'll be able to do that and worship all together again. I'm excited uh, about learning about and living out uh, mission this year. Next Sunday, we're going to start back with our verse-by-verse study of the book of Acts together, picking up where we left off last year as we study about the church on mission. My prayer is that we wouldn't just study about it, uh, but that we would live it out, that we would live on mission each and every day. I'm excited also, as I am every year, about, about seeing people saved, praying that God would bring many people to know him. And I pray that happens throughout the year as each of us pray for and share with our ones, those Uh, ones that God has laid on our heart that don't know him. Uh, But we also have a huge opportunity this year called City Fest that is only a month away. It's a month from this weekend. And uh, we don't have long to to talk about that today, but we will in the next few weeks. But pray about that. Pray about who God would have you bring to Vieira for this amazing event, 200 churches coming together to share the gospel at uh, City Fest. 
Uh, also, of course, I'm uh, just excited to continue to love and to serve our community. We want to seek to do that in a lot of ways through our partnership with Riviera Elementary and, and so many other ways. But, but one of them that uh, we've been planning and praying for for some time is the treehouse uh, across the street and the ministry that will happen there. Uh, we, of course, experienced some delays with the renovation work due to COVID last year. But actually, just in the last seven days, we've hired a commercial contractor that will be able to get us across the finish line. And we expect that renovation work to be done in the next three months or so. And so excited about uh, being able to partner with New Life Mission uh, to see lives change right across the street. Uh, another thing I'm excited about this year, many of you may not know that uh, this, that this year, 2021, marks our 100th anniversary as a church. We were formed and planted as a church in 1921. And uh, so we are planning a great 100th anniversary celebration in December of this year. Uh, that was the month our church was planted back in 1921. Don't know if many of us were here for that. Uh, but, uh, but in December, right around Christmas time is when our church got started. And what a great way that will be to end uh, this year, celebrating 100 years God's faithfulness and blessing here. Uh, before we get to that celebration, though, at the end of the year, we have some other things to celebrate uh, with regard to greater things. And uh, by God's grace, we're, we're poised at this very moment for some huge steps forward with greater things. You've already heard from Miss Janice and our building team about uh, the steps that uh, we're on uh, the, the cusp of in terms of expanding our facility to be able to reach more folks for Christ. The other aspect of greater things is uh, just on the brink of being able to plant a new church to be able to reach more folks for Christ as well. And I want to invite Aaron Still, uh, who is uh, over our Launchpad church planning program, to come and uh, just to share an update with us. And so, church, would you welcome Aaron as he comes? Well, I'm excited to share with you some of the great things God has done uh, through church planning and through our Launchpad ministry here at First Baptist Melbourne. And so, uh, we started in around uh, 2018. Um, with the church planting pipeline and rebranded to the launch pad. And our goal as a church is to plant one church a year starting this year for the next 10 years and, and Lord willing, uh, far beyond that. And we have been in preparation and getting things ready and getting people ready uh, for this goal. And so our, our, if you haven't heard our goal as a church, we've created a, a church planting kind of flow, a training flow, a discipleship pathway to help ready our people, train up new pastors, but then just train our congregation to engage in the work of church planning in a bunch of different ways. Uh, people just using their life to be on mission everywhere that they go, in their neighborhood and, and, and everywhere um, to reach this community, this ever-growing community for Christ. I don't know about you, but every time I drive around, I see neighborhoods going up and I see houses, I see land being cleared. And um, I see people just moving to this area. And if we're going to reach these people, we, there's no facility big enough that we can build to reach Brevard County. But what we can do is we can multiply and we can send people out and plant churches. And that's exactly what we're doing. So uh, on the church planting flow, we have our interest where people learn about the process and we start training them, just thinking like a missionary, thinking like a church planning planner. And what we're doing these next couple years are these next two steps. We have our residency program where we, we hire a, a resident to come be on our staff full time and to start vision and plan and, and, and dream and, and, and put together the plans for a church plant. 
and we're, they're learning about our, our staff and our culture and how to be a pastor and all those things. And then we're going to, around December, around our 100-year anniversary, we're going to have a team up here and we're going to commission them. And what a great day that'll be. So a couple other things I want to celebrate uh, going along with that is, um, the, the first slide is uh, Mount of Olives Evangelical Baptist Church. So we had a, a Haitian mission here at this church for a long time with Pastor Zenas, and he did a great job leading that group, uh, but felt led to step away and go back and do ministry uh, da- down in Haiti. And he met a man named John Mark, a pastor of, a, of another Haitian uh, church in this area. And uh, it's a beautiful family. And they have combined the churches together to start a brand new work. And so John Mark and his wife, Belaine, have been working very hard reaching that community. And we've helped them in a, in a number of different ways. We've helped with their facility and renovating that to, to merge this congregation together. But also what we've done is we've connected them to the North American Mission Board and through the assessment process that we put our planners through. And now that they're connected with the North American Mission Board, they get support through NAM. They get uh, training and care, and I'm meeting with them regularly to just find out any needs that we can meet for them. So, so technically, they're our first church plant uh, in this new process because we've connected them to everything that we're offering our other planters as well. So that's a huge praise of what God has been able to do already. Second, I've got a slide here of these are just some of the people we had a little an interruption last year, but these are people in our church who have either graduated or gone through some level of training um, in the, our church planning process. And so these are people who are committed. That they, they're not necessarily saying I'm going to be a church planner or I'm going to go, but they're like, I want to be ready just in case God would call me to this work or to one of these works in the future. So we've already had people with no, not knowing where we're going to go or, or who the planner is going to be saying, I want to be ready in case God calls. And that's just a huge testament to our church and us being ready for this God-sized goal of planning a church every year. So now we move into this new phase of residency and launch. And in your booklets you saw, but I want to invite Cody and Kristen Chester to come on up, and I'm going to introduce you for the first time as these are our our church planning, he's our church planning resident for 2021. So Cody has uh, jumped on staff, and he's going to be learning through this year, he's going to be mentoring and shattering our pastors, and and it's just been awesome to get to know you guys and get to know them. They moved from Texas, not knowing if they would be our, our planner, but just going on faith that God has called them to this work. And they went through the assessment and all those things, and we were happy to, to call them as our first church planner. So you're going to learn more f- about them and hear more uh, from them this year, but I just want to introduce them. Just really excited to have you guys joining us today. And if you want to learn more about what we're doing f- through church planning or maybe get involved and, and, and get prepared for, for what God is doing, we're having an interest meeting in two weeks during the 1130 service, and I'd love to share with you more about what we're doing. So, And Pastor Scott's going to pray for Cody and Kristen this morning. I'm so excited about you guys, God bringing y'all here, and uh, of course as this year goes along, you'll see uh, Cody just serving in some different roles uh, throughout this year of residency, but it's a year of preparation, planning, laying out vision for this church plant, and, uh, but uh, towards the end of the year, as we come into the fall, uh, we'll, be, we'll be sharing and trying to build a launch team, a core team that will go out uh, with uh, Cody and Kristen to plant this new work. We'll be asking you to pray about, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you advance notice, all right, that's coming. I'm going to ask you to pray about, is God calling you to be a part uh, of this new church start uh, this fall. And then towards the end of the year, as Aaron said, to be able to pray and commission over you guys, send you out, continue to support uh, this couple and this new work in the years to come. And so let's pray together, church family, for Cody, for Kristen. Father, we we thank you for this couple that you have brought, Lord, all the way from Texas uh, in these past couple of years. Uh, Father, you brought them here. Uh, You have put a burden and a vision on their heart to start something new. 
And uh, Father, we thank you for their faithfulness and their trust in you to step out in faith. And Lord, we pray your blessings on this couple this year, on their family, their two precious children. Uh, Father, we pray, uh, Lord, already that you would rise, raise up folks in our church uh, who maybe are listening right now that you're beginning to call uh, to be a part of this a new work, Father, this next year. Uh, Lord, we commit it to you. We pray that a new church would be started, Father, that uh, people would be able to hear about Jesus. We pray your blessing and your favor on this couple today, and we thank you for them in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Church family, would you celebrate once again, Cody and Kristen? Thankful for you guys. Well, church, before I leave this subject of church planning and we turn our attention to uh, Joshua chapter 6, I am also excited to announce today that in keeping with what we shared uh, last fall, when we mailed out our budget letter and presented uh, our ministry budget for this upcoming year, uh, we do believe the time is now to call Aaron, that you just heard from, uh, to serve as our full-time church planting pastor. Uh, Aaron has been leading our Launchpad uh, program the last few years in a part-time uh, capacity, but as you heard in what he just shared, every year that goes by, another layer is being added to uh, this church planning uh, vision and program. By this time next year, uh, Lord willing, Aaron will be overseeing three different cohorts and levels of training. Uh, he'll be working with another resident. Uh, he'll be uh, our main point of contact with our first church plant that has gone out and beginning to make plans for the next one to go out. And so that's going to be at least a, a full-time uh, position, if not more. And so this recommendation to call Aaron as a full-time pastor comes with the unanimous approval of the pastoral team and our personnel committee as well. Uh, but uh, our church uh, policy, uh, and I believe so much in it, is that we don't call a pastor, a full-time pastor, to our team unless it comes with the approval of our church family. And so we want to follow that, of course. And so in a few weeks, I know Aaron's already been here for a while. Many of you already know him well. But, but in a few weeks, we want to just follow our policy, give, give you an opportunity, if you don't know Aaron, just to come out, be able to ask any questions of him you might have. And so there's a special church-wide question and answer time coming up. Uh, you see the date and the time on, on the screen behind me. encourage you to come. And then three weeks from today, on February the 28th, on the same day that we're voting on uh, the new building, we'll also take a separate vote that morning on extending a call to Aaron to serve as our full-time church planning pastor. And I actually think the timing of all of that is so beautiful. Because again, if you've been here for a while, you know these are the two aspects of our great things vision that we've been talking about for three years. Uh, expanding the facility, but also planting uh, more churches. And so on the same day, uh, to be able to vote as a church on really both of those two aspects uh, is a beautiful thing. And so that's a big day, February 28th, coming up here uh, in a few weeks. Uh, we have taken time today to, to look back at, at last year, to praise God together, taking time to look ahead at some of the exciting things in front of us. With the time we have left, I want us as a church to look up to the Lord, to ask what he would have to share with us through his word. And he has led me this week as I prayed about where to go in the word of God. He's led me to a story that I believe is familiar to probably almost everyone here, the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho. It's found in Joshua chapter 6. We're going to pick up the reading, though, at the end of chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 13. Let's read the word of God together. It says, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. 
Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. And then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. As I think about the story and as I think about where we are as a church, Uh, in 2021. There are at least four parts of this story that we just cannot miss uh, today. And here's the first part we can't miss, and that's the overwhelming task that was in front of God's people on this occasion. And we need to remember where uh, the Israelites were at this point in time. God had rescued them from Egypt, brought them across the Red Sea. He brought them to the brink of the promised land actually 40 years before this. But if you recall, they did not have faith to actually enter the land. And because of that, they wandered for 40 years in the desert until that entire generation was gone. And now a younger generation had come. They were back on the edge of the promised land again. Uh, They had a new leader, Moses' successor, Joshua. And now they were ready. Now it was time to take the land that God had promised all the way back to Abraham. But the first obstacle that stood in their way uh, was this formidable city of Jericho. Jericho was one of the oldest cities in the world. Uh, At that time, uh, it was also considered to be just about impregnable. Uh, And that's because it was surrounded by two parallel walls uh, that ran all the way around the city. You can see what those might have looked like on this this rendering. And uh, the outer wall, there was a uh, an outer wall that, that, that started uh, with a retaining wall, went up about 15 feet, and then another uh, brick wall on top of that that went up another 20 feet or so, and then up an embankment, there was a second wall, an inner wall that also went up another 20 some odd or 25 feet. And so if you can imagine being the Israelite soldiers, you see how little they are there at the bottom of the drawing, and you can imagine them looking up, they were looking up some 60 or perhaps even 70 feet up from where they were standing to the top of that inner wall. And you can imagine what they must have felt like. As they looked up at that wall, they must have thought, uh, this is an impossible, overwhelming task to take this city. As I think about what is in front of us as a church, sometimes I feel like we're in a very similar situation. What we have in front of us is a huge task. Uh, At times it feels like an overwhelming task. Uh, And we said that two and a half years ago when we first shared the vision of greater things, that this is a God-sized task. And when I say that it is a God-sized task, I want to be clear about that. Building the new building is actually the easiest thing that we're going to do. But when I say it's a God-sized task, I'm really speaking more about the thousands of lives of men and women and girls and boys that we're praying will be changed. And that can only happen by the power of God. 
When we talk about planting a church a year, 10 churches in 10 years, that is a God-sized dream. It's something that only God can do. I think that's part of why I love it so much, because it's something only God can do. Again, when the Israelites came up and saw the city of Jericho and they looked up at those walls, they must have thought, there is no way that we can do this. And that's basically what I'm saying to us today. There's no way that we can do this, right? How about that for an encouraging message on, uh, on Vision Day uh, today? But there is no way that we can do it. But we don't want to do something that only we can do. We want to be a part of something that only God can do. Because you know what? If it's something we can do, then we might take the credit for it. But if it's something that only God can do, that God and God alone is the one who receives the glory. There's an overwhelming task in front of us, but our God is great enough and big enough. His arm is not too short to do what he's called us to do. Another part of this story we can't miss is the outrageous plan for this battle that God gave to his servant Joshua. Now, you can find that plan in verses 2 through 5, and it's hard to tell in verse 2 if this is still uh, this mysterious individual, the commander of the Lord's army that Joshua met one-on-one at the end of chapter 5, who, by the way, you might notice that the word man there is in capital letters. I believe that uh, this was a pre-incarnate appearance of the Son of God meeting with Joshua. Uh, We don't know whether in verse 2 it is this commander of the Lord's army that's speaking or if God shared this plan with Joshua at a later time. But either way, this is the plan that Joshua received before the battle of Jericho. And as you read over that plan, I mean, just to be honest, it sounds a little bit cuckoo, doesn't it? I mean, this is the plan, right? Get everybody in a line, uh, walk around the city one time a day for six days. On the seventh day, walk around the city seven times. Get the orchestra all fired up, blow a couple of trumpets, and shout. I mean, that, that's it. Right? That, that's the plan. And then God said the walls are just going to fall down flat on cue, and you'll be able to walk up over them and easily take the city. I mean, if you can just imagine, put yourself in Joshua's shoes for a minute and imagine that you didn't hear this Bible story from when you were three years old, but you were hearing it for the very first time. This is the plan. And you would have been thinking, can, can you run that by me one more time, por favor? Right? You know, where, where, where is the fighting aspect of this plan, right? This, this plan sounds more like a plan for a worship service that Pastor David might write up uh, than, it, than it sounds like a battle plan. There's, there's more trumpets playing than there are swords fighting. And, and we have to admit that humanly speaking, this plan sounds crazy. And if anybody but God had given them this plan, they would have thought that that person was crazy, but God is the one who gave them that plan. And again, when I think about our vision, our plan that we believe the Lord has led us to and and, and given us, I have to admit that many times I feel like Joshua, a little bit like the Israelites did, not only because of the size of the plan that we talked about just a minute ago, but also I feel a little bit crazy because of the timing of this plan. Uh, Our church has had this dream, this vision of building a new worship center really for 21 years. From the year 2000 when we relocated to this campus, it was always the plan for this multi-purpose room to be a temporary room and to build a new worship center. And so after 21 years of dreaming and praying and waiting on God's timing, this is the timing (laughs) that we have come to it to actually break ground and do this in the middle of a global pandemic 
when hundreds of our people are not here and are watching online. You have to admit, that does sound a little bit crazy. And yet again, that's part of why I like it, because it's just a little bit crazy enough, a little bit outrageous enough that it forces us to have faith. And and, you know, as I step back and, and look at it, I remember that God knew the timing of everything before we even began. Before we formed that building exploratory team five years ago, God knew that we'd be at this moment in February of 2021 in the middle of a pandemic. God saw COVID coming before anybody else, before the foundation of the world. And you know, I can see his hand in that timing already because the reality is if we had finished this project when we originally planned to, we would have been done by last year and have moved into the building right as the pandemic was starting. I'm thankful that that wasn't the timing that the Lord had, that he has delayed us to this point. We're able to start this project now and Lord willing to finish it when the pandemic is past. But still, humanly speaking, it, it still seems a little bit crazy. But God is calling us to faith, to trust in him. And you know what, in this whole process, I believe God is far more interested in building our faith than he is in building a building. That really brings me to the next part of this story we can't miss, and that's the overcoming faith of God's people. We won't take time to read it all, but in verses 6 and 7, Joshua more or less repeats to the people the instructions that he received from the Lord. And in verse 8, they start to carry it out. They start to line up. They start to march around the city. And look, look in verse 10 at what Joshua said. Joshua had commanded the people saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I say to you, shout, and then you shall shout. So other than the priest who were blowing the trumpets, for those seven days, as the soldiers were marching around the city, they did not make a sound. Can you imagine if you were one of those soldiers? The only sound you heard, except for the occasional blast of a trumpet, was the slap of your sandal against the desert sand. It would have been almost eerie for the people who were on the wall in the city of Jericho watching this, these soldiers, silently walking around the city day after day after day. But that silence only served to magnify what happened at the end of the seventh time around the city on the seventh day because they were not silent anymore. Look at verse 15 with me. It says, But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. So uh, why were they to shout? Well, Joshua tells them right there, Shout, For the Lord has given you the city. So don't miss that. This shout was not a battle cry of self-confidence. Right? This shout was not some type of a manly machismo, right, that says, we're stronger than you and we're about to take you out. No, that's not what this was. This shout was actually a cry of worship to God. This was a shout of excitement. This was a shout of praise because they believed in their heart that the battle was already over because God had already declared to them that he would give them 
the victory. After seven days of obeying God, seven days of walking round and round that city in silence, now it was time to shout. The title of this message today is, It's Time to Shout. And that's because, church, for five years now, we have been marching silently towards this moment. I believe that we've sought to obey God at every step of this journey. When God called us to pray and to seek his face about where he was leading us, we prayed and we sought his face. When he called us to plan, we planned. When he called us to give, we gave. And we're continuing to do that as the Lord lays that in our heart. Really for our church, again, this, is, this has been something we've been marching to for 20 years. Well, from the time that the church relocated here and God gave us this number of acres that he gave us on this property because he knew that this day was coming. And we would need that property to be able to build and move forward with the mission. And so after all of this time of marching and obeying and putting one step in front of the other, now in this next month as we come to a time of voting as a church and then Lord willing breaking ground on this construction project, church, it is time to shout. And not to shout because we believe we can do it, because again, we've already said we can't do it, but to shout for the same reason they shouted, to shout with faith in our hearts because we know that God can do it. Because we're believing God and we continue to believe God for even greater things in our church and in this city for the glory of his name. So far, we've talked about the overwhelming task, the outrageous plan, the overcoming faith of God's people, but let's not forget how the story ends as well. It ends with an outstanding and really unforgettable victory for the people of God. Verse 20 tells us what happened after they finished their marching and their shouting. Look at it with me. He says, so the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. And then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. The walls fell down flat just as God said they would. The people of God climbed up and over that rubble and took the city. So much more to say about that. But as we think about the victory that we're praying for, the victory that we're believing God for, of course, in a sense, instead of asking God for some walls to come down, because this is a building project, we are at, part of this is actually asking for some walls to go up, right? That's, that's part of the victory that we are praying about and praying for. But church, ultimately, what we're praying and believing God for is really not about walls going up. It is about walls coming down. It's about walls of sin and bondage and lostness coming down. That people might come to know the God who loves them, the God who sent his son Jesus to die for them. That is ultimately what Greater Things is all about. You know, even though this story is really the story of God's judgment and the story of the destruction of the city of Jericho, there is a salvation story that is buried in the rubble of this text. Because God said the measure of the sin of the Canaanites was complete. His judgment upon them was also complete. By his decree, there was to be nothing and no one left in the city. Nobody except one woman and her household. Look at verse 17. He says, Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. 
she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. The story of Rahab is found back in Joshua chapter 2. For the sake of time, we won't turn there, but just very quickly, Joshua had sent spies into the land to spy out the land. They came inside the walls of the city of Jericho and were spying out the city of Jericho. People were tipped off to their presence, and so they began to send soldiers looking for these spies all over the city. Uh, But Rahab, who had come to believe in the God of Israel, and if you look in chapter 2, she makes a very clear statement of her faith in the God of Israel, his power. And so she hides the soldiers under some flax on her rooftop. She sends the soldiers who were looking for them on a wild goose chase. And then she uses a scarlet cord, a scarlet rope, to lower these two spies Uh, back down out of the city. Her, Her house was built into that outer wall of the city. But before she lowered them safely to the ground, she made them promise that when God gave them the city, that they would spare her and that they would spare her family. And the spies promised to do that, provided that Rahab would hang a scarlet cord, that same scarlet rope they used to lower them to the ground, that she would hang that scarlet cord in the window of her house, that they would know which house was hers. And so you can picture that in your mind, can't you? As as the Israelite soldiers were running up to the city, the walls of the city of Jericho had fallen down, except presumably about a 10-foot section that was right where her house was. There's another miracle of God. And so this one section of the outer wall was left standing where Rahab's house was built into it. A scarlet cord is coming out the window of that house and draping down the brick wall in front of it. As the soldiers are coming up, they identify that house. They save Rahab and everybody else inside and her family. Verse 25 says, So Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. God showed her incredible grace, not only that he saved her and that he made her a part of the people of God, but you know, later this week, if you go to Matthew chapter 1, you'll find out that in God's grace, he made Rahab one of the ancestors of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the grace of God. You know, one day God is going to come And judge this world. It is doomed to destruction every bit as much as the city of Jericho was that day. One day there will be a different trumpet that sounds and it will be over. Time to turn to the Lord in faith will be expired. And the Bible says we will stand before the Lord Jesus as judge. Every single one of us in this room will one day meet him. We don't know how long we have. None of us do. The Bible says only God knows the day and the hour of the Lord Jesus's return. But in the meantime, you know what we need to be doing. We need to be hanging some scarlet cords in some windows. And we need to be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone because in this world and even in this city of Melbourne, there are some Rahabs that God is going to save before that destruction comes. A couple of years ago, we had a prayer walk for greater things and some of you had the opportunity to write a name 
of someone in your life that you know that doesn't know the Lord on one of these rocks. And we did that out there where the new sanctuary will go. I know some of you haven't had the chance to do that. We're going to give you another chance to do that before the building is complete. And our prayer is that we'll be able to even place these rocks under the foundation of that new worship center because really that's what it's all about. We're praying that the, the people whose names are written on those rocks and many other people who don't know the Lord would come to know him as Savior and as Lord because God wants to save more Rahabs. And so again, church, let's hang some scarlet cords in some windows. Let's tell them about the scarlet blood of Jesus that ran down the cross that they might be saved, that we might be saved. Because that's what greater things is all about. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we do thank you for your grace. And we know you didn't just show that grace to Rahab centuries ago. Father, you've showed that grace to us. And we thank you, God, for that scarlet blood of your son Jesus that ran down the the cross We know that it is his blood and his blood alone that covers and pays for our sin. That Jesus took our place. That he paid the price that we owed. That we could be forgiven. That we could be saved. Father, this is our prayer. This is the victory that we are asking you for. Not primarily that walls would go up, but that walls would come down. That people would be saved. Who right now are held in bondage. Father, I pray for anyone in this room that doesn't know you, that this might be the day that they would reach out and receive your grace. Same grace Rahab received many years ago. Father, you've led us on a journey over the course of many years to this point, and we pray, Father, believing that this is the time to shout. This is the time to lift up our voice in praise. This is the time to express our faith that even though we are not able for the things in front of us that you are able that there is nothing that is impossible for you God may you receive all the praise and all the glory in this place not only now but in the years to come because we look to you and believe in you Father for greater things in Jesus name